This is On the Block with Stricken Nate. Nebraska Basketball Hall of Famer and nine-year NBA vet, Eric Strickland. Strickland for three! And you're going to go out of here as the Big 8 tournament champion. And Hokie Homer turned Husker, Nathan Brennan. Everyone knows that I'm the smartest person here. Coming at you live from the heart of Lincoln, America. On air and online at theticketfm.com. Brought to you by Mary Ellen's Food for the Soul. This is On the Block with Stricken Nate. Welcome to On the Block. It's Strick, Nate, and Rico, who is handling the board for us today. It's a great day, but yet it is a cold, icy, freezing Slick, you guys all be careful out there today. It's uh, if you're in the state of Nebraska, those who are listening elsewhere on Twitch, Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, we welcome you as well to On the Block with Stricken Nate. Um, we're going to get into a lot of stuff today. We're going to talk a little bit about the win last night in the Battle of the Ball. There was an uh, an upset last night. Uh, Drake happened to come in and take a win away from Mississippi State, 15th ranked team in the country. So that was a uh, you know, that was one of the big games that went on. Also, you had some NAIA uh, play that was going on uh, prior to that. And then you had the Huskers come in facing Queens for the first time. Nebraska's faced two first-time teams this year, Maine being the first and this Queens team being the, the one that they faced in the Battle of the Vault last night. Got a 10-point win, 75-65. Some of the, some of the members of 93-7, the ticket, were in the building and that was a beautiful thing to see. <laughs> Nate Rico was actually in the building. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. While I was calling the game, thank you guys as well for your continued support. It was a, it was a nervous game for me, uh, being that it was my last game, but it was one that was very pleasurable to see the Huskers get a win as they finish seven and four in their non-conference play. So we're going to get into that. We're going to talk with Cluster Johnson on the next segment as well. We're going to talk a little bit about flipping, flopping, pancaking decommits, why they do it, <laughs> what is the thought behind that? We're going to get into a little bit of that here on the block today as well on the next se- segment with uh, two-time national champion Cluster Johnson. And we'll do shootout with Strick. And then we'll get into the signing day. Obviously, it's a big day for the Huskers, GBR, Go Big Red. Uh, as Rico had, had alluded to on uh, the, the, the show just prior to us, the happy hour. There's some wonderful things that are happening, how the Huskers had made an extreme leap in their signing and their commitments, and also re- retaining and keeping some that thought that may pass on and move on to go elsewhere. So we're going to dig all, all all into that to include having Brian Mutzen join us as well. So, fellas, how are you guys doing today? Rico, thanks for joining us on the block, handling the board today. We appreciate that. Nate, safe travels to you. You made it. You and you and you and the wifey made it to your location safely. I see. Yes, we did, Strick, and uh, I feel like I'm getting a little bit of a day off you doing the intro like this. I can get used to this. Sit back, might have to get me a uh, patio pounder and, and relax a little bit, but yeah, we've made our way over to uh, the great space of York, Nebraska. We were able to travel well. You can already tell outside, the roads aren't as slick yet. Uh, we have really good crews here in the state of Nebraska, kind of getting ahead of things, but the visibility is starting to get a little bit difficult to see, and I know that it's going to start picking up here in the next 
next hour or so. So definitely make sure if you're already on the road, stay safe, take care of yourself. I know tomorrow is going to be pretty rough too. And Strick, I don't know if you can see on the stream, I'm wearing a throwback NBA Jam shirt. Damana, Sabonis, and Malcolm Brogdon. (laughs) It makes me think now. I somehow need to get my hands on an NBA Jam Eric Strickland and Michael Finley Mavericks NBA Jam shirt. What do you think? Can we make that happen? Man. And you can have a nice little rotation with that crew. A lot of people. <laughs> I think you might have to make that one yourself. Though, a crazy thing, though, a lot of people tell me, Nate, they say when, you know, I used I used to play with you when I was on NBA Live. Like, I think the last time uh, was 05, and they're like, Strick, I, I didn't realize you were that good on, on, on NBA Live. I was like, wow, okay, well, shoot. <laughs> they, they, they at least hooked me up a little bit. But that would have been fun to be on an NBA Jams game. Obviously, this show is represented good. I'm glad you made it safely again. Thanks for taking um, note. You guys be safe out there. It can get really slick. Uh, but this show on the block is sponsored by Mary Ellen's Food for the Soul. So, go out there and have a wonderful meal. There's some great food that you can uh, tap into when you go out to Mary Ellen's. And let Charles know that the block fella sent you out there. Great stuff. Let's get into this uh, right now as we jump into uh, what happened on last night. And I really want to talk about what you guys were able to see, because some of the things um, that they had to rebound from the Nebraska Husker basketball team, uh, tough loss, didn't play very well. Some of the, some of the starters didn't look very good. We still have Emmanuel Bandemil struggling a little bit uh, in his play. And and we, we've got to hopefully get him going. CJ Wilcher as well had been struggling, got off to a solid start last night, but I really would like your take uh, starting with you, um, Nate, on, on what was your takeaway as you observed from the proximity of on the floor? Now, you guys weren't up in the normal <laughs> space where we normally be up in the media section. Uh, you guys were actually on the floor. And in that close, close proximity, what were some of the things that you were able to witness? And what were some of your takeaways about this Husker team? And as they prepare to go into the Big Ten, what are some of your expectations and what you hope to see going forward? Well, first and foremost, Strick, it was nice to be on the court because you were looking fly over there on the sideline, uh, <laughs> looking like your draft day suit or something. So you were looking pretty good. It was looking. Uh, okay. it, it was it was fun to be on the uh, on the sideline, and it gave you an entirely different perspective because you're able to hear the coaches kind of yelling out sets, things like that. You can hear the players communicating on the floor, and it's interesting that you bring up CJ Wilcher, Strick, because I remember I was looking over to Nick and Rico his first couple buckets. I'm saying that's huge. That's huge because I know that we've talked extensively, especially about C.J. Wilcher, for this team to be productive, for this team to make a run or maybe flirt with an NIT appearance later on in the season. C.J. Wilcher has got to be effective and efficient. Started out that way, started to cool down towards the end. I think the defensive effort was still there for Nebraska. I mean, if you look at Queens, they only shot 33% from the floor, 24% from three. You can see that intensity in the way that they play. But I think the biggest takeaway, Strick, is still like, it, it seems like this team, whenever they need a basket, for some reason, they can't find it. That, that To start that game... You're running free. You're running a little bit like you said. that that You said they need to start running the floor a little bit, taking advantage of maybe those four-on-threes, possibly get a fast break head the other way. You saw that in the beginning. And then when it was time to start stomping on their throat, taking over the game, get a couple baskets and end it, 
it's almost like they went non-existent. And I don't know what that goes through. I know that Derek was able to kind of uh, communicate his role a little bit more, demanding the ball. Sam Griesel was taking it down to the post, and I still think those are your to go-to guys. But when they aren't when they aren't on the floor, it's almost like the offense just goes stagnant. And, and I don't know how to solve that. I don't know if there's something that you saw. I don't know if there's something that you saw as well, Rico. But it's almost like – the way that game started was the blueprint for Nebraska to be successful. It was great pacing. They were efficient from the floor, and then it's almost like it collapsed in the second half, and I want to know what you guys thought about that. Well, one of the things that they were able to do, I mean, obviously, Kenny Dye, who is their leading scorer, uh, tremendous player for them. They had four returning players coming back from a team that went 30-4 and, and four on last right. year and went to the Sweet 16 of the uh, Division II ranks. Mm -hmm. uh, so they had a very veteran team. Uh, they got off to a really slow start. We'll talk – I'll get into a little bit about what the coach's thoughts of, was on some of that. Um, but holding Kenny Dye, as well as A.J. McKee, who is their second-best scorer, uh, McKee to 4 of 12 shooting, 1 for 5 from 3, and Dye, who was shooting over 50% from 2 and 60% from 3, mm -hmm. held him to 5 of 14 shooting – uh, 0-3 uh, from uh, the three-point line. So that really helped them to, to have a tremendous game. Uh, Rico, so being that Nebraska now has put five players in double figures mm -hmm. for the third time this year, um, and, and uh, uh, some of those things were, were, were uh, an aggressive Husker team that it looked like they didn't have that same type of aggression down there against Kansas State. What, what do you think about this team and that balance and what that can do for them as they go into Big Ten play? Just being down there on the court and, and listening to the communication that they had on the offensive and the defensive end was extremely impressive, hearing them talk back and forth, how quickly they were able to uh, make adjustments on the fly on the offensive and defensive end. You hear them yelling about switches on the defensive end and who's going to cover who. And then on the offensive end, they're they're throwing picks. They're telling people where to go. You know, Sam Greasel's directing traffic. Derek Walker's directing traffic from that point center spot from time to time. I think the ability to have multiple people that can get into double figures, the fact that they've had a different leading scorer, I believe, in five of the last seven games, um, really goes a long way with this Husker team because we've talked about it extensively before the season even started. It's hard to game plan for a team when you don't know exactly who they're going to go to on any given night. They don't have a single guy where they say, all right, if this guy doesn't score 20 points, we're in a world of hurt because – Although Derek Walker seems to be their go-to guy, and he was that guy uh, with 13 points, I mean, Sam Griesel had 16, uh, Casey Tominaga had 15, and it's not like he had 15 on only three-point shots. He was three of seven from three. He was getting into the into the uh, paint, hitting floaters, hitting mid-ranges. He was taking steps, you know, taking a step or two inside the three-point arc, which is extremely impressive for a guy who, who, you know, as we said multiple times, I don't think he's ever seen a defender in his life. Uh, he's got the greenest light of all green lights. Um, taking a couple steps in when he realizes, hey, the three-point shot might not be falling, and hitting those mid-ranges goes a long way. So Nebraska being able to kind of spread the floor and have a whole bunch of people who can do a whole bunch of different things and score the rock uh, is extremely impressive and will help them go a long way to you know a possible NIT appearance or just you know a solid season for them, which is something that they haven't had in a long time. Yes, absolutely. Again, NU held Queens to 33 actually 34% shooting, which is the, the Royals' lowest percentage of the season. And in the sixth opponent that they've held under 40% this year, NU has also held three opponents uh, to 40% or fewer as well. And so what you find is that Nebraska, 
did something that was uniquely different. They got aggressive. They were getting downhill. They were turning the corner and getting to the basket. They were finishing. Here you have uh, some of the leaders of this game, as you said, you 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 spoke about. You had Sam Greasel, who was only taking four shots in the last mm-hmm. game. He came out very aggressive uh, on last night, shooting six for nine, one for one from three, which is something they want him to be aggressive in doing as well. Three for four from the free throw line. He's kind of gotten uh, a lot. He's got he's he's going into the post more, and he's gotten a lot better with that oh, little yeah. fadeaway because he's got he already has that you know over the shoulder a little hook shot, just a little push shot. Uh, that's gone really well, but when he can't get all the way to the basket, he's turned to that that fadeaway or just that turnaround jumper, and it was falling last night. And it looked really pretty. Absolutely, and he looked under control, and he was taking advantage of the size difference that he had in there. 16 for him. Bandemil had 10, a quiet 10, 5 for 10 shooting, but the thing that he really needs to get uh, a hold on is the three-point shooting because he actually had good good looks on last night going 0 for 4. Uh, from three, CJ Wilster still struggling. Two for eight, two for seven mm. for three. Got off to an early start, but uh, only ends up with six points. Derek Walker with thirteen. But here's the thing that I want to I want to uh, throw out to you guys as well is six assists to one turnover, where his uh, uh, turnover numbers were uh, you know quadrupled that against Kansas State with all with like five. So those are some of the things that if he can do that. With those type of numbers, the dimes that he was able to to drop, the cutting of Gary, a lot of those things that if they continue, they could be okay because the key is they need to hit 75 points in order to have some success with the defense that they play in the Big Ten. And it's interesting, too, Strick, that you bring up the 75 points because that's literally right on the dot what you said Nebraska has to get to yesterday. Mm -hmm. I'm just – I'm curious. I want you to just kind of break down a little bit offensively where Nebraska has success and where they don't, because I I know that you see kind of the intricate details. You see more of the offense that they're running than I'll be able to, because I I genuinely don't understand how in the first half, it seems like you're clicking on all cylinders. It's working. And then basically with the snap of the fingers, it looks like these players don't start hitting shots. I mean, is that scheme? Is that who's getting the ball more? Is that who's on the court? I, 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 it just seemed like, Again, which we saw in the St. John's game, we've seen in a couple other games, it's completely different teams based on the half. And I just, I genuinely don't know what happens in, in halftime. And I don't know what will happen in the Big Ten. Because as you know, Strick, if you're playing the Big Ten, you can't go on these 10 0 runs the opposite way for the other team's favor. They're going to bury you. It doesn't work like that in the Big Ten. The defenses are too good. So, how are they going to be able to have success and keep that offense flowing throughout an entire game? Well, again, um, it's definitely got to be with ball movement. Like like I said, they didn't even get to 10 assists uh, as a team, and they have to be able to do that. They're not a team that's going to be able to break you down. As I can tell you from watching that game, and I think you guys would both agree with me, is that Kenny Dye is a guy who can create space, get his own shot. Even though he didn't shoot the ball well, Mm -hmm. he found himself being able to break down the defense on multiple occasions, get in there, just wasn't able to finish. But we don't have that. That's not the type of uh, team that we have. The way that we get it done is with uh, Derek Walker being able to take big, big men off the dribble. We also have that with Jerron Gary getting in the open open court, able to get Mm -hmm. downhill. And then you have Greasel being able to take advantage in the post right now. So those are some of the things that they they have success with. But can that can that be a continuum of what success is in the Big Ten with the length of teams, with the great defenses that teams also pose in the Big Ten? That's going to make it tough. So some of some other things that we found 
when when you look at this uh, this team and what the coaches had to say, um, you know, uh, the coaches still believe that with their scheme, with their opportunities, hopefully that they will be able to knock down those shots when it comes time to do so. Because if they don't, I think it's going to be a, a long season. So now I ask this question: What are your predictions? What are your predictions for the Huskers in Big Ten play this year? Nate, you, you, you start off. I would love to hear what your prediction is. Where do you think this team falls based on what you were able to see in their rebounding uh, as they close out the non-conference season? Well, I like that you bring up rebounding strength because this is another game that Nebraska led in the rebounding category. And as, as we've said all season, they've been competitive, uh, at least staying with teams on the rebounding side. And, and when you get into Big Ten play, that's going to be huge, especially when you're playing teams like a Wisconsin, like an Iowa, the, these physical brands of basketball. But, Strick, we talked about it a little bit yesterday, and I look at this Big Ten schedule. I think this three-game stretch is going to be huge. And, and this is going to kind of decide the direction of Nebraska's season because you don't really get much of a break. You're going to host Iowa next Thursday on the 29th. Uh, that game is going to be on the Big Ten Network. I, I think that that's going to be a tough game. But then when you look at Michigan State on the road and at Minnesota, you have to get at least one of those games. And, and yeah. to be honest with you, I think for Nebraska's season, if you want to be a part of that possibly tournament bubble team, if you want to be in that NIT discussion, you got to get two. But you, you have to come out of that three-game stretch. I know these games are on the road, and I don't care who it is. I don't care if Minnesota is the worst team in Power 5. It's a Big Ten basketball game on the road. It's going to be a tough environment. It's going to be a tough game. It's going to be physical, and they're going to come out defensively. You have to win at least one. You have to. I mean, and this is because we saw last year, and we talked about it, Strick, it is a snowball effect for Nebraska. You cannot go on these stretches of two, three, four losses in the Big Ten because you're toast. You just get behind, and it's just going to keep snowballing. I think you need two out of those three but for certain no matter what you've got to get one and i think i'd like to evaluate after we get through those three games in the big 10 rico as as uh nate just said you know it's a tough stretch right here what's your thoughts uh going into the season and what what would you predict for this team based on what you've seen so far well i thought going into this season that nebraska was you know could flirt with 500 if they didn't finish at 500. Uh, I, I never really thought they'd finish above 500, but if they didn't finish at 500, they finished a couple games below 500, which I think is a, a, a massive improvement for where they have been over the last couple yeah. of seasons. And seeing this team uh, without Derek Walker and now with Derek Walker um, and without um, – <clears throat> without Sam Greasel for the one game and, and, and with Sam Greasel, I think that those two work so well together and Derek Walker has kind of taken that next step to become a more dominant force for this Nebraska team where I, I believe that if they can get Sam to be more aggressive in his in his three-point shooting at least, you know, maybe not, you know, taking five a game, but taking, I don't know, three, making one, making two, but just keeping the defense honest and the ability and the fact that he's, you know, six foot seven, six foot six, I don't know how tall mm -hmm. he is. And and he's just gonna be bigger than most point guards in the Big Ten. He can use that to his advantage. I I, I truly think that this team can possibly and I know this is going to sound maybe ridiculous can probably get a first round bye in the Big 10 tournament. I think they can be a middle of the road Big 10 team. Wow. Which is strict I, what I, you said that you wanted. I mean that's what I, going into the season you said you were yeah. looking for. But you're going yeah, to you're going to need to see 
an improvement or at least getting back to where he started at the beginning of the season for both Juwan Gary and Emmanuel Bandamel because those two are extremely important not only on the defensive side they both got black shirts and they're both you know dogs on the defensive side but Juwan Gary maybe maybe not as many threes maybe focus more on getting to the rim using his athleticism and Emmanuel Bandamel just needs to be more consistent he had that three-point shot not to you know he's not a sniper or anything but it was respectable and it's kind of fallen off the last couple of games he needs to get back to that and that will help this Nebraska team especially with the step forward that Casey has taken and being that sixth man off the bench uh, and the ability to hit a bunch of threes and not be afraid to mix it up in the paint and, and mix in a floater from time to time, get a couple reverse layups, got the crowd going last night uh, with him coming off the bench and being that spark plug that just takes this Nebraska team to another level. And, I mean, it's not, you know, another level, but it's a, it's another level that they have. Absolutely. Before we go to break, uh, the Nebraska Cornhuskers on December 29th after Christmas – They'll get a nice break here, which will allow them to get healthy, which allow them to continue to work on some areas of deficiency, especially shooting that rock. They'll fight. They'll face the Iowa Hawkeyes December the 29th on Thursday, 6 p.m. at Pinnacle Bank Arena. That game will be on Big Ten Plus, not Big Ten Plus, Big Ten Network. And they'll hit the road. For me, I think I want to I want to take the higher level of this with Nate. I think they need to get two. You have to take care of home, and then you have to go and sneak one. Maybe you come up short at Michigan State, but you got to go into Minnesota and get one of those, especially after taking two, uh, especially one at home, even though it was to Purdue. But we've got to take a break. We'll have Cluster Johnson come. We're going to talk about flipping and flopping pancakes and all types of things. We're not talking <laughs> about the pancake crew, but we're going to talk about some flipping and flopping, decommits, and the reason why, potentially, Maybe just to, just to speak on it a little bit with Cluster Johnson, two-time national champion, when we return after this on the block, 93.7 The Ticket.